The following is a sermon from Christ Memorial Church. We are a multi-site church in the St. Louis area. We are compelled by two words, loved and sent. We believe everyone is loved deeply by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and everyone is sent with great purpose wherever they go. You can find out more about us at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Enjoy the following sermon. 2020 has been an anxious year. As I have more and more conversations with you, I'm hearing more and more comments about uh, feelings of anxiety and uncertainty and worry. Uh, There's plenty of things collectively that we have to worry about. So whether it's a global pandemic and we're concerned about our health or the health of our loved ones, whether it's a loss of a job or a reduction in pay because of the economic impact of the pandemic, uh, whether it's the civil unrest that we're experiencing in our culture and in our society now, or whether it's very personal things within our lives, uh, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a relationship. Um, there's, a, there's many things in our world and in our lives right now that can cause us anxiety and worry. Today we're going we're gonna to look at that from a, a spiritual perspective. What is, what is anxiety and worry from a, from a spiritual perspective? And it's actually a matter of perspective. Speaking of it spiritually, it's a matter of the, the way that we view things. Going around with with worry and anxiety is like going around with magnifying glasses on our eyes, and everything that we see gets blown up. You ever heard the phrase, making a mountain out of a molehill? Well, that's exactly what anxiety is. It's seeing very small things, but magnifying them very, very big. One of my daughters the other night was on our, our trampoline in our backyard jumping, and a shriek came out of her mouth. I was upstairs in the house, and I heard a yell, and one of my other daughters runs upstairs and comes to me, and she says, Dad, quick, come downstairs. Maddie has a hunk of metal in her foot. That's not good. So I go down. I am prepared to see blood and carnage. Maybe she stepped on a spring in the trampoline. Who knows what it could have been. And when I go down there, I see the tiniest sliver in the side of her foot. I actually had to use a magnifying glass and a light to be able to pull out the tiny sliver that was in her foot. But to her, it was a hunk of metal. The very small sliver was huge in her eyes. To her perspective, it was a big deal. Today we're going to look at Psalm 90. Um, if you look at Psalm 90, we see that the, the author of it is Moses. This is the, the only psalm that we have that is attributed to Moses. And as we know, Moses led his people through very anxious times, very uncertain times. He led them out of slavery in Egypt, across the Red Sea, uh, to the edge of the sea where the Pharaoh's army was following, him, following them, and it looked like certain doom was coming and then 40 years of wandering in the desert. But as God led his people, he led them through this time of anxiety and worry and fear and uncertainty, and he did it all through his goodness and his grace and his mercy. If you talk with someone who is suffering from anxiety or worry, one of the worst things that you could do is give them more to do. But instead, you respond to them with love and concern. You take their burden onto yourself. And that's exactly what we see God do in Psalm 90. He doesn't give uh, a list of of things to do. He doesn't doesn't give a 
a list of, of commands or demands, but instead he responds to God's people in love. And that's the request that we see from Moses. We see that Moses uh, appeals to God. He appeals to, to Yahweh, as a matter of fact. The, the word that's used in Psalm 90, Lord, as we see that translated in English, is Yahweh. And Yahweh is the, the very personal, very specific name that God gave himself to Moses when Moses asked, who should I tell him sent me? The Lord responds, Yahweh, I am, has sent you. And so he, he appeals to, to Yahweh, not for a quick fix, not for a, a list of things to do, but he appeals to his character. Uh, he appeals to, to his consolation and his comfort and his promises and his presence in these very anxious times, in these times of uncertainty. He doesn't appeal to logic. Uh, he doesn't appeal to uh, lists, but instead, God responds in love. Hear these words from Psalm 90. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God shows us one thing in this section of scripture, that God is greater. No matter what we experience, no matter what we go through, God is greater. In just a few weeks, I'm going to have an opportunity to go on vacation, and we're going to go visit some family out in Colorado. And I love Colorado not only because the, the weather is cool and it's nice, but because of the mountains. And what I love about mountains is it gives me some perspective. It puts me in, in my place, in my smallness in this world, and the, the, the greatness and the grandeur of God's creation. And Moses here says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Moses also does something pretty spectacular just in this opening line in Psalm 90. He puts us, who are far away from God, who are small in comparison to God, he puts us right there with him. And he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. We are hidden inside of you. We are protected in you. So God is great and God is big and God is a creator but he's also our dwelling place. He's our, he's our shelter. He's our comfort. He's our peace. And so even though he is far greater than us and far greater than any worry or anxiety that we could have, he's also our dwelling place and our refuge, our place that we can go to and be safe and secure. Moses goes on and he writes this, Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Second thing that is revealed to us about God's character in the psalm is that God is good. God is good. He has pity on us and he, he satisfies us. It gives, gives this idea of um, life being uh, about striving and toiling, but ultimately we're dissatisfied. And there's only one place that we can find satisfaction and he writes, Moses writes this, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. I paid a lot of money to go to seminary. And so when I can use a Hebrew word, I do. And that Hebrew word for steadfast love there is chesed. It's one of my favorite words in all of the Bible. And it means so much more than any kind of gushy, sentimental love. It means a, a firm, faithful, never-ending, covenant love that has nothing to do with us and us holding up our end of the bargain, but it's all about God's love toward us. It's steadfast, it's sure, 
It's never-ending. It's faithful. And He satisfies us with that love. He doesn't satisfy us with uh, material gifts or things that, that we can hold on to, but He satisfies us with His presence and His love that never ends. He goes on to say, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Finally, God knows what we need. That's a third thing that we learn about God in this psalm, that He knows what we need. We look at our gospel text today, we see that in Matthew, Jesus preaches the, the Sermon on the Mount, and right after that, he, he's looking across at the people, and he sees, he sees an anxious people, a people that are full of worry. And he has pity on them, and he has compassion on them. And so he begins to, to reorient their gaze off of their worry, off of their anxiety, and he reorients them back to his Father. And he says, let me tell you some things about my Father. Let me tell you the, the truth about who he is and how he cares for his people. Allow me to read Matthew 6. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed with one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is greater. God is good. God knows what you need. He satisfies us with his love and his faithfulness towards us, he is not a God who is far off and distant, but a God who is near to us. It's a, it's a really great source of peace when someone who loves us dearly, someone who is close to us, knows what matters to us. It's a great source of peace when someone in power knows what matters to us. And it's a great source of peace when the one who matters most knows what matters most to you. My wife, she likes to put together weekly calendars and she puts down all of the activities of the week on that calendar and she places it up on the wall in our kitchen. And she does that not because I need to do anything with that calendar or I need to necessarily know about that calendar, but she does that because when I see that calendar, I know what matters to her. 
and I know what's important to her that week. And by her knowing that I know what's important to her, she has peace. It's a great source of peace when the one who loves you dearly and the one who matters most knows what matters most to you. And God knows what you need. He knows what matters most to you. Jesus goes further than just giving a teaching about his father and a teaching about how he takes care of the birds of the air or clothes the lilies of the field, but he he proves it. He goes a, a step further, a great step further, and he proves his love and his grace and his mercy by going to the cross and dealing with the thing that is most pressing and most urgent for all of us. And that is to know that death does not have a final say. To know that we are not overwhelmed by our sin, but that one has overcome our sin on our behalf. He knows our greatest need, and he answers it. He answers it with his life. He answers it with his his death on the cross and his resurrection on that first Easter morning. He defeated our greatest enemy. And in so doing, he points to the Father and says, I have a Father who spares nothing, not even His own Son, to take care of your greatest need. Now tell me, what do you need? What are you anxious about? What do you worry about? I know what you need. I have met your needs, and I will continue to take care of you. See, our greatest need isn't to to have full health, It's not to to marry the right person, have the right career, have the most Instagram followers or influence. There's a lot of things that we can worry about. But Jesus knows what our greatest need is, and it's to be reconciled back to the Father. It's to be called a part of His family. It's to be called His child and to be in His loving care. That is our greatest need. And Jesus has taken care of that for us. And he has brought us into the family and he has brought us into the fold and he has defeated our greatest enemy, death. And he has given us eternal life, not just when we die, but even today. And so we can bring our anxiety and our worry and our fear and we can lay it at his feet, knowing that he is faithful and that he is good and that he has proven that with his own life on the cross. If you're here today and you're listening to this message and maybe you're struggling with with anxiety. Maybe it's something you've struggled with for a long time or it's something that it's recently uh, cropped up because of uh, the the situation and the times that we're in. I want you to to hear a few things. First of all, I want you to, to know that there is a loving community that is there for you. And if you're, if you're part of a church, if you're part of Christ Memorial or Reliant, I want to encourage you to continue to to press in and to lean into that community of faith because you need to be surrounded by people who will sit with you and to listen to you and to take some of your burden upon them and to, to cry with you and to share that struggle with you, but ultimately to point you to Jesus and say that in the end, it's going to be okay. You need that community of faith. And so if you have that community of faith, Remain connected to that community of faith. Draw closer into that community of faith. If you don't have one, I would encourage you to to find one or check us out at Christ Memorial or Reliant. 
uh, we would love to welcome you into this place and to point you to the God who lifts and takes our burdens upon himself. Secondly, I want to encourage you to continue to engage in worship. You see, worship isn't about us bringing something to God, but it's about God giving his good gifts to us, to filling us to overflowing with his grace and his mercy and his love and taking our burdens upon himself and then sending us out in that love. So I encourage you to continue to engage in worship if you're experiencing anxiety or uncertainty or worry in these moments because God knows you and he loves you. Finally, there's, a, there's an Augustinian practice. So St. Augustine, one of the church fathers, he had a practice that he did um, that would kind of redeem anxiety or worry. And there were three things that were a part of this. Retention, contemplation, and delight. Retention, contemplation, and delight. Augustine would, would look, at, look at Scripture and he would look at all the promises of God in Scripture and he would take them one at a time and he would retain them, he would memorize them, he would inwardly digest them, and he would meditate upon them. And then he would, he would contemplate them and he would make those promises his own. He would embed them in his life and then he would delight in those promises. And he would carry those promises with him whenever there was difficult days, whenever there was hardship, whenever there was worry and uncertainty and anxiety. He would retain the promise. He would contemplate the promise. And then he would take delight in the promise. And if you think about it, that's really what we do when we're worrying about something, right? We, we focus on it. We laser focus on it. And it becomes really big and magnified in our life. And then we, we, we constantly think about it and we contemplate that thing that we're worried about or anxious about. And then if we're really honest, if we contemplate and focus on it long enough, we begin to take delight in that. And so Augustine is actually redeeming this practice of anxiety or worry. And he's saying, take your focus off of the thing that you're struggling with, off of the thing that you're worrying about, and turn it to the God who has redeemed it already. Look at his promises, contemplate them, think about them, make them your own, and then take delight in those promises. Jesus invites us to, to focus on him. He invites us to make those promises our own, to contemplate them deeply and to think about them, to embed them in our heart, and then to take delight in him. Because on the days when anxiety is high and there's worry all around you, that habit of your heart will take hold in your life and Christ will bring you comfort and peace that surpasses our understanding. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the sermon from Christ Memorial. If you happen to be in St. Louis or live in St. Louis, we would love to meet you and have you join us for worship on Sunday. We are located in South County, St. Louis at 5252 South Lindbergh. We also have a city site called Reliant that is located on the St. Louis University Medical Campus in Crave Coffee House. You can find all of our worship times and information at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Hope you have a good day. And remember, you are loved by God deeply through his son, Jesus Christ, and you are sent with great purpose wherever you go. Have a good day.